So the, the last, including today, the, the last three weeks, is that how you say that? Or the last two weeks and then today? Or, well, anyway, so this Sunday and the last two Sundays, the whole point of what's going on in the gospel is Jesus is sending out his apostles and he's teaching them specific things about what that's going to be like and what they need to do and what they should be, you know, what they're up for. So two weeks ago, I focused on the fact that the apostles are called to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And then I applied that to us. And then last week, if you're going to do that, what do you need? You need courage. Okay, and then this week I'm going to focus on something else. But I want to recapitulate a few things because, um, you know, just some of the feedback that I've received, you know, from a couple of weeks ago, when I use examples, I'm not always thinking that perhaps some people are receiving the examples that I'm giving not in the way that I intend. I do want to assure you all that, you know, whenever I talk about something that's political, or because it's just going to come up. I mean, how do you how do you never? It's just going to be there, and everything is politicized. I just want to guarantee you that, especially as the election season comes, I am dreading it. And the reason why I'm dreading it is because I get all kinds of pressure from Catholics to basically try to persuade you to think like them and to get you to vote for who they think I should get you to vote for and all the rest. What you're going to experience for me, because we haven't really been through this because the last time was COVID, is sort of an inverse proportion of my uh, communication about it. You will find me getting more and more neutral because the last thing I want is to influence anybody. Well, Father John thinks I... But as I'm using examples, I want to make sure they're not deterring from my point. So now... I need to go back because some of you didn't get the point, so now I'm going to have to do three homilies today. <laughs> but because the main thing I need you to get, I can't have obscured by people thinking politically because that's not my point. And so, you know, the mistakes I made relative to that, I mean, it's good, it's good to know that, that it, you know, there are some elements of it that, that didn't connect because I need you to get this point, and this is the point I need you to get, Okay. And this is going to get, somebody said last night, Father, I need a bibliography from that homily. So it's one of those. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit today on that. But I need to get a little bit more historical and a little bit more academic um, to, to get the point across. And this is what I need you to understand. The effect that living in a postmodern society has on our ability to know the truth. All right, that's what I need you to get. I need you to get that because it's not really something that's debatable. I think it's something we all feel and we all experience, no matter the politics or whatever, right? But the, because that's not really relevant. This is a bigger, bigger, this is a bigger issue. But I think it's incredibly important. And when I get to the end, you'll see why, okay? If you don't see it already. So here it is. This is how I want you to see it. And yes, for those of you historians and philosophers out there, you're going to say, well, that's incomplete. Well, I don't have a semester, all right? So we got to get through what we can get through. So um, consider this question. The things you believe to be true, why do you believe they're true? 
And based upon what authority do you believe they're true? So we all believe certain things to be true. Why? It's a really important question that we need to ask. Why do we believe they're true? And how is the method by which we come to what we believe to be true, how is that influenced or how are we influenced by the culture we live in? Okay, so let me set this up historically. In the Middle Ages, now roughly the Middle Ages, we're going to say, we're going to call 500 A.D. to uh, the mid-1600s, you know, uh, you get to the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, and then you move into what's called modernity. So in the Middle Ages, the presumption of the people in general was truth was gained from God. Okay, now, why am I saying this? Well, because we, we... most of us are from a culture that was, is European, all right? And so everybody in Europe in the Middle Ages is Catholic. And because of that, and because the church takes over society, when the Roman Empire falls, all of the states fall. There's nothing there. There's nothing left. The barbarians, you know, overrun Europe in the low Middle Ages, 500 to about uh, roughly around 1,000 or 1,200 AD, you get to the high Middle Ages. But in the low Middle Ages, it's chaos. And the only thing that keeps society really together in any fashion at all is the Catholic Church, because it's the only structure that exists. Now, we know that as the high Middle Ages come around, the nations begin to recover, right? And they begin to they begin to reestablish themselves, and that's where we get the, all those conflicts between church and state. But what happens also in the high Middle Ages, particularly the the 1200s, is in the West, Aristotle is brought to the West. And this is a huge thing because Aristotle has biology, he has logic, he has all of this stuff, right? And the church also has by then invented, created universities, particularly uh, of note, the University of Paris, Furthermore, the the church is the primary patron, well, patron of everything, arts and and education, but even science, right? Just about everybody, all the early scientists were Catholic because everybody was Catholic. And where did they get their funding? The Catholic church. So the, the church is the patron of all of this. All right, so in the Middle Ages, where do I get truth? God and the church and divine revelation. This is sort of, the general disposition of people. Now that changes with universities and science and all the rest. And you move into modernity, it's called, and post-enlightenment. And now where do people believe truth is gleaned? Reason. And it it shifts. There's this shift from kind of a, a presumption that the church and God gives us truth to man can figure out for himself what the truth is, right? Those of you uh, philosophers or historians, Raza Tabla, right? That there's this blank slate and that man can, and so you have this this huge flowering in springtime of, of science, which of course there's amazing things that have come from that, right? And it's also really, really good that the nations recovered and, you know, you begin to see you know, countries being reestablished and the rest as you, as you move into the high Middle Ages. So, but what happens is in modernity, the focus becomes, I know truth through reason. Reason, science, the rest, right? Science being equated with reason. 
So what happens then is this, you know, goes on for a while, but society has eschewed the morality then, uh, truly it, it, it happened in the intelligentsia, has eschewed the morality of, uh, of, of religion and of Christianity. And it's now standing, if you will, on its own without any reference really uh, to God. Nietzsche sees this in the late 1900s, and he predicts collapse. He, he predicts that modernity will eventually collapse into nothingness, and that the only thing that will be left are uh, relationships of power, and the most powerful people will be the ones who have influence. Okay, so he predicts that late 1900s. And what happens then in the 20th century is just some really terrible things, as we know, right? And this had a profound effect on the way people saw reality. And one of the, one of the most uh, poignant, well, that might not be the word, tragic events, of course, is World War II and Nazism. And, and what happened when people actually saw the depths of evil that other human beings could commit, that that had a profound effect on people's just asking questions about, you know, the goodness of nature, the goodness of man to find truth on his own. And, and what does it say about God and allowing evil, right? That's kind of the first huge thing. I mean, World War I, of course, had, had, had a lot of that as well, but particularly, you know, the effects of Nazism. Remember that, you know, the Germans didn't even believe, they didn't believe that what they were told actually happened. And so they were all paraded through Auschwitz and Dachau and shown this is what was going on and they couldn't believe it. They were so shocked. Everybody was shocked. Now you move, uh, those of you who are baby boomers, you know, you move post-World War II and particularly in the early 60s, right? For, for your generation, there's all of this hope there's all of this, I mean, this is amazing, JFK and, and uh, Martin Luther King and, you know, there, the, these possibilities of goodness and, and bringing in, um, you know, the sort of a, a transition within humanity of, of goodness. And then all of that goodness is dashed. I mean, this is just history. I'm just teaching a history, if you don't remember. This is like, you know, freshman history. So... Then you have all of the assassinations. So all of the hope is dashed and comes crumbling down. And then you have just the effect of our involvement in things like Vietnam. And it doesn't matter what you think of Vietnam, the effect of that, right? Again, uh, you know, on society, it, it, it changes our confidence in institutions. That's what happened. And, and Watergate, and I mean, again, this is just history. For instance, in music, you have uh, the Summer of Love and Woodstock, which was allegedly this amazing event. I'm told that uh, if anybody says they remember Woodstock, they weren't there. Um, but <laughs> let you figure out why. Um, but, you know, it's, it's this amazing kind of beautiful moment, but that gives way to the Rolling Stones at Altamont. If you don't know what that is, look it up, right? And so you have, again, all of this promise, and then it comes crashing down in the 70s. And what that did with society, all right, is it began to 
um, it began to, to make all of us question our confidence in institutions and the people we thought we could trust. That's just what happened. Now, what this gives rise to then is postmodernism, which begins in sort of the, the mid-60s and really comes to fruition in, in the early 80s. And, and we're living through it now. And what happens is that people don't know where to find truth because the institutions they trusted have failed them. The people they thought they could trust, you know, the, what, wherever that is, they, they've failed. And it leaves exactly what Nietzsche predicted, which is nihilism, nothingness. People just don't know where to find the truth. And for those of us who are, you know, Gen Xers like myself or even baby boomers, you look at the younger generation and you see kind of their inability to find truth or just not know where it is or, or the confusion of the age. And for those of us who don't have that sort of perspective, it can be really confusing, right? Or it can be sometimes, you know, really frustrating too. And so you have this clash then of culture between modernism and postmodernism. Modernism where people believed in, and they had confidence in reason to even settle disputes. I remember, you know, even growing up in the 80s, you could have arguments with people in high school and such, but you believe the best argument would win because you both agreed that reason and logic mattered. In postmodernity, that's gone. There is no longer any confidence that the truth can be found objectively. In fact, the postmodern thinkers will say the assertion of objective truth, that is truth for everyone, is actually an act of violence. Gianni Vadimo, Italian philosopher. Now, you might say, well, that's nonsense, and I disagree with that. Okay, you can, but it's just what's happened. It's what we're left with. And so now in postmodernity, the truth isn't found sort of out there, whether it's God or, you know, it's institutions or people we can trust or, you know, teachers or universities and the rest. Nope. Now, because that has become, again, the experience of people, untrustworthy, then what people are left with is the self. So postmoderns, people who have grown up in postmodernity, tend to be subjective, which is, I determine truth. I mean, you've heard, how many times have you heard by now, you know, live your own truth. You live your own truth. Now, as a philosopher, that to me is nonsensical. But for a postmodern, it makes perfect sense. Because they don't trust anybody outside of their own experience and feelings. And this is why a postmodern can create sort of a worldview that is completely contradictory, but doesn't bother them at all. This is just what we have. Okay, so my point is I need you to understand that because I've already been basically teaching you this sort of, you know, in a roundabout way, and now I'm being much more blatant. And I'm going to hammer this until the entire parish can pass the test. <laughs> so, you know, moving from modernity to postmodernity, confidence in reason, no more confidence in reason, now confidence in the self, because that's all that they're left with. 
And that gives rise to the ability of a person to define reality for themselves. That's just what happens. Okay, now let me go back to the gospel. Because, you know, this is supposed to be a homily and a church, not a classroom. Why does it matter? This is why it matters. So two weeks ago, truth, what did I say? I said, look, if we're living in a society where we're not really sure who we can trust, which I think we all feel, I think we feel that tension, then we have to remember, we need to remember that the one person we can always trust who will never fail us is Jesus Christ. That inevitably then leads to being people who are truly Christian. And we're going to be faced with situations where we need to actually proclaim and ought to proclaim Jesus Christ is truly God, is truly the Savior of the world, right? We have to go to a point where, or we're going to be at a point where we have to say that and and not be afraid to say that and actually be joy-filled in saying that, but it's going to take courage, and that's what I talked about last week. So where do we find truth? Jesus Christ In that we have found the truth, now we have to have courage to proclaim it. Now we get to the point of how do we do it? And this is what Jesus is instructing his apostles about. So remember, a bunch of his apostles are married. They have families. They have careers. And he's basically asking them to leave all of that and follow him. And so when you hear things like, whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, he's saying, look, if you're going to be my apostle, this comes first. This comes first, you know, because obviously they're struggling with the tension of having to leave certain things behind. And one of the things that can happen when people read a scripture verse like this is they will turn it around and then use the truth to batter other people. And this is precisely the methodology that will not work in post-modernity. This is why it doesn't work. Those of you who are parents, you know, and your kids aren't going to church or the grandkids aren't baptized or whatever, they're not living the life that they're supposed to live, and you've had the experience of, well, I'm going to tell them what the truth is. I'm going to set them straight. You know, I'm going to speak that truth into them. And what happens? The relationship breaks. It falls apart. And in doing so, you lose any influence you could potentially have with your kids. And this is, I think, what we've experienced also in a postmodern society is when we lead with sort of our need to assert the truth because of the sensitivities we have in the world today, it breaks relationship. Now, I don't think that that, that's what Christ is calling us to do at all, right? He's, He's calling us to apply what he's teaching to our current environment, And this, so here, is my suggestion of how to do that. What do we do when we live in a society where everybody is just, you know, just ready to kind of fight for their truth? But in doing so, it just fractures, you know, the country more and more and more. And I don't think whatever side you're on, you you can really argue that that's what's happening. It's because we're, we're trying to hammer each other with something that no longer is effective, And as it relates then to our families, the most important thing you can do with your kids and teenagers, the most important thing you can do with your parents is maintain relationship. You have to maintain relationship. 
Your kids need to know that whatever they're struggling with, wherever they're trying to find the truth, and however confusing that is for you as a parent, your kids need to know you will never abandon them, that you will always be there for them. You will always love them. You may not agree with them, but you're not gonna beat them up with that. You will always be there with them because there's so much confusion in the world today. And I work with young adults all the time. There's just all kinds of confusion. This is the situation they have found themselves. They didn't create it, but it's what they have. So to support young people and also to, to preserve the integrity of the family, we have, we, this is, again, this is kind of my opinion, right? And it's not in the book, but, um, but it is kind of in the book insofar as that the law of love is more important than enunciating doctrine, that the law of love has to come first. And what's going to happen, and, and I've seen this happen over and over, is that if you maintain this relationship with your kids, even though, you know, you might be thinking, I have no clue what they're doing. I have no clue what's going on in their life. But you maintain a loving relationship and a supporting relationship at some point. They will ask for truth. At some point, they will wonder. And then you have an opportunity. By the way, I did this with you, the entire community. For three years, I preached homilies about how much I love you. And I do. I very much love you. And I kind of gave you a soft sell for a long time. And I did it with the guys. The guys don't even know this, men's, men's group. I did it for the whole first year with the men's group. I told Wade, Wade knew. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, you know, just be with them and let them know that I care about them and I'm here for them. And then after a while, they're like, hey, can you teach us more stuff? Well, sure I can. Turns out I can. And that's kind of happened in the community too. But I'll tell you, the most important thing I want you to know is that I love you and that I will not abandon you, and that I will be here for you. Wherever you go, wherever you need to walk, wherever you're searching for the truth, even if I disagree with it, I will still be your father, and I will still be here for you. This is the kind of relationship we need to have, because it is a mess. This is what you have in post-modernity, truly a mess, and I think we all feel it. And we wonder, how do we get it back? And that's why we're, we're driven to all of these really strong assertions of truth and everybody's fighting over that and fighting with each other. And it doesn't work because we forgot about relationship. This is why building that relationship with each other here is so crucial because we can do it here. If there's any place we can do it, we can do it here. You can do it in your families. You want to change society? Change your family. That's all you really have control over and limited at that. You want to change society? Change this culture or keep adding to the great culture we have. Mutually supportive. People who disagree on truth, absolutely. But we love each other. We support each other. We will be here for each other even if we disagree because the love that we share is far more important than those things which divide us. Please stand.